last week, the U.S. government announced that they were going to forgive up to $20,000 worth of federal student loans for millions of people. Some people are overjoyed, but others are angry. They say it's unfair. Why should their debts be forgiven when mine weren't? This goes to show that forgiveness is scandalous business, especially when judged by the values of our culture. But as a preacher friend of mine wrote on Facebook, that's the point the Bible is making. Forgiveness is what the gospel is about. It's what the good news is. It's how the kingdom is made present and how our broken world is healed and transfigured. Tune in to this week's podcast to learn more about how forgiveness helps manifest the kingdom in the here and now. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Let us be attentive. That's the reason that the kingdom of the skies can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began to settle them, a debtor to the amount of 10,000 talents was brought to him. As he didn't have the means to pay it back, the master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he owed, and the debt to be paid in this way. When the slave fell down and groveled at his feet, saying, Be patient with me, I'll pay it all back to you. And the master was wrung with pity for that slave, and let him go, and remitted his loan. But when the slave went out, he found one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and choked him, saying, Pay what you owe. His fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, saying, Be patient with me, I'll pay you back. But he didn't accept that. Instead, he went and had him thrown into prison until he paid what was owed. So his fellow slaves were quite outraged when they saw what had happened. And they went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then his master called him in and said to him, You useless slave, I remitted that whole debt of yours, since you pleaded with me. Didn't you need to have pity on your fellow slave, the way I pitied you? And in a fit of rage, the master handed him over to the torturers, until he paid everything that was owed. That's how my father in the skies is going to treat you all, if each of you doesn't pardon his brother, and you need to have your hearts in it. Glory to you, O God. Glory to you. That passage was from Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35. You've probably heard the phrase, be careful what you wish for. And perhaps you've even read or seen a story based on this saying, a story in which a seemingly good wish becomes bad news for the wisher. I wonder, though, is there a prayer that might have a similar warning? I put forward that there is, 
And probably to your surprise, I'm going to suggest that this dangerous prayer is none other than the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. In that prayer, we pray, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or as some translations put it, And excuse us our debts as we have excused our debtors. What's so dangerous about this prayer, you ask? It's a prayer that's essentially asking God to treat us the way we treat others. We're asking God to forgive us only to the extent that we are willing to forgive. I recall once being at a church coffee hour where two people got into a major fight. In the end, one person ran from the building in tears, and the other person triumphed the round with a sense of entitlement. When I asked them to forgive one another, they both refused. In fact, both of them ended up quitting the church altogether. We never saw them again. When our bishop came to visit, he asked where so-and-so was. I told him the story. His reply, you mean they quit the church because you asked them to behave like Christians? So it goes. The Lord's Prayer is no joke. And living by this prayer, which many of us say multiple times a day, isn't always easy. We as Christians are called to put our money where our mouth is and walk the way. That's the point of today's scripture lesson, though with a bit of a twist. Instead of God treating us as we treat others, here in this story, we need to treat others with the sort of mercy God has extended to us or watch out. The story starts with a king who wants to settle debts, so he calls in a slave who owes him money. Now, we're probably wondering what this slave did to get into such a debt. Did he purchase something and he hasn't paid for it yet? Or perhaps he's borrowed money and just hasn't paid it back? Well, the ancient world worked a little differently than our world. It's true, there were no banks, at least not in the traditional sense. Sometimes temples acted as banks, but wealthy individuals, such as a king, could also act as a bank. So it's possible that the slave had borrowed money. In this case, the king was a sort of patron, and the slave was a client, dependent upon the king. The situation is highly possible. It's also possible that the slave was a sort of manager for the king. In the ancient world, wealthy landowners would have slaves who would manage their households, farms, and other enterprises for them. These slaves, as they went about the task of managing, would collect money owed to the king, including things such as rent. Here's the catch, however. The elite owners may go years without actually settling their accounts. This means that the slave who managed the properties would simply collect payments and wait for the landowner to ask for the money. It's also possible that the slave was a tenant farmer. As a farmer, he would have been selling the crops and making money. But again, landowners could go years without asking for their share or rent. The point is this. It wouldn't have been uncommon in the ancient world for landowners or wealthy folks to let accounts go years before being settled. And when that day came, however, everything should be in order. And just so that we completely understand, 
The amount of money owed in this passage would translate to millions, or some say billions, of dollars today. When the slave couldn't pay the debt, the king at first wanted to sell his entire family into slavery. To us, as 21st century Americans, this sounds horrendous, and it is. But in the ancient world, this was very common. If you owed money and you couldn't pay it, you sold what you could, including yourself or fellow family members. The twist to this first scene of our story is that instead of the king demanding that the slaves sell his family into slavery, he simply forgives the debt. Obviously, in the context of this parable, this is how God deals with us. We're fallen individuals who have made a mess of the world. God promises to set things right, transfigure the world and everything in it, but he does it gracefully, without demanding a punishment for those who have messed it all up. Now, we come to the second scene in our story. The first slave turns around and decides he wants to settle his accounts. And lo and behold, there's a fellow slave who owes him. Perhaps this is a tenant farmer over whom the first slave looks after. We don't know. But the text says the first slave chokes his fellow slave and demands payment. The amount owed in this case is considerably lower. So low, in fact, that a simple peasant farmer could have raised the money in a year to pay it off. However, instead of giving his fellow slave time to do this, the first slave has him thrown into prison. This means that the debt was so low that they couldn't sell anyone into slavery. In fact, they would have been worth much more than the debt. So, a different strategy is utilized. The first slave throws the second slave into prison. By throwing the second slave into prison, the expectation is that his family and friends would come to the rescue to pay off the debt and set him free. Remember, ancient prisons were not like modern prisons. They didn't feed prisoners or care for them. They were simply holding cells, places to put people as they awaited their punishment or they have their debts paid. You could starve to death in a prison if your family didn't bring you food or pay your debt off and set you free. Don't think of a prison in the ancient world as a punishment as it is in today's. At any rate, news of the second slave's treatment by the first slave reaches the ears of the king, and the third scene of our story begins. This scene is probably the most disturbing of all. The king summons his slave back to him, upset that the slave didn't forgive as the king had forgiven. Not only does the king take his mercy back, can such a thing be done? But he has the first slave tortured until this impossible sum is paid back. This becomes the be careful what you wish for moment. In this case, the slave's wish to be forgiven comes with the condition that he must pay it forward. The meaning of this parable is pretty straightforward. God has forgiven you, and in return, you have an obligation to forgive others, or God will take his mercy back and treat you as the king treated the slave. If you're the forgiving type, it's not a bad message. But if you like to hold grudges, as those two folks I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast do, then this isn't good news. In fact, it's very bad news. But it might be what we need. It might be the wake-up call we need to change our lives 
to repent and start living in a new sort of way. In this case, the parable is telling us that we've already experienced the dread judgment seat of Christ, a judgment reserved for the end times. And come to find out, we already know our verdict. In fact, the reason we stand when the gospel is read in liturgy is because the gospel is seen as the end-time judgment being proclaimed to us. And, like any defendant in a courtroom, we stand when the judgment is read. In the case of this reading, our judgment is that we've been found forgiven. And within the theology of St. Paul in the Orthodox Church, we've not only been found forgiven, but we discover that our captor, death, has been trampled upon, destroyed by Christ's own death. Now that we've gained our freedom, we've been asked to pay it forward. We are now to forgive others, giving them their freedom, just as we've received our freedom. But this isn't just some sort of morality or an ethical code by which we can live our lives. No, this is how the kingdom of God is made present in the here and now. The kingdom is about liberation, experiencing freedom, and no longer fearing death. That kingdom is experienced through our own forgiveness by God, through the forgiving of others, and through others forgiving us. The kingdom which is to come, as we say in the creed, can be experienced in the here and now. We can boldly say, that we have been freed by Christ. However, if we don't pay it forward, this gospel warns of a heavy price. We may have God's mercy revoked. Though this may sound harsh, it makes sense. If we refuse to forgive others, then this is essentially a refusing to live in the kingdom. It's refusing God's mercy and love. It's refusing our own liberation. And if we refuse this freedom... How can we expect to be freed? It's as if God has opened the jail doors and we're stubbornly sitting in our jail cell, not even getting up to walk out the door. I want to leave you with these final thoughts. If Jesus is serious about forgiveness, what does this say about our lives as Christians? What does this say about how we walk the way? What does this say about our communities and the boundaries that demarcate membership in our communities? It is interesting to think Scripture didn't throw anyone out because they had an incorrect understanding of theology, but there are a few times where it suggests that you could be thrown out because of the way you live, which seems to have something to do with forgiveness. And finally, how can you live your life in a way that God's forgiveness is made manifest in your life? How can you affect your community so that forgiveness is a rule rather than an exception? I'll leave it all there. Until next time, God bless.